invite you to please take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Hebrews this morning. Great to be together. Look forward, Lord willing, Christ has not returned, being with you on Wednesday night at 645. Look forward to being with you uh, after this service for our members meeting, which is not not at all, merely a business meeting. It's a time when we seek the Lord together. The Lord Jesus is the chief shepherd of his church and of this church. Today, I actually want you to turn to chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, if you would. It's near the end of the Bible. Of course, if you've gone to the book of Revelation, you've gone a bit too far, but not, not too far away from that. It's the book of Hebrews chapter 12. And Crossway, what I'd like to do today is I'd like to stop. I'd like to pause and to get our bearings. I'd like us to look at the big picture today, and I hope this will be encouraging. I hope this will be helpful as we continue to go paragraph by paragraph through the book of Hebrews. I want to stop today and look at the big picture. We've been, as I often say, we've been looking at the trees, and today we want to look at the forest and look at the whole, in a sense, of Hebrews. And I want to give you some hooks so that this book, which in some ways, in some ways is a dense book, will be maybe a little more simple. So I've been praying about this and thinking about this, and I hope it will be encouraging. Okay, all that being said, Hebrews chapter 12 will be one of our key texts. Hebrews chapter 12 Verses 1 and 2. Author to the Jewish Hebrew Christian says in Hebrews 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray together. Let's bow our heads and we'll also take a moment of brief silent prayer before I lead us. Would you pray even now? Oh Lord, you are great. And our prayer is, 
Father, our Father, that Your name would be hallowed in the world this day, this week, and right now. Father, hallowed be Your name. And later on in that same prayer, the disciples' prayer, Lord, we would also pray, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, guard us, guard us as You will do for Your people. As You will do, we also pray that You will guard us from the evil one. Protect us. Help us. Oh, our great God, Lord, we trust that we have been keeping the big picture in mind as we as we are going through the book of Hebrews and as we will continue to be going through chapter by chapter the book of Hebrews. But Lord, help us today, maybe especially, we ask for Your help, Lord, through the Holy Spirit with this big picture view. Help us to see clearly. Help us to see Jesus clearly. Help us to see Jesus. Help me to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And we pray in His name. Amen. We've got our Bibles open to Hebrews chapter 12. Did you know that the Christian life is a race? The Christian life is a race, and as you have heard before, no doubt, if you've been around Christianity or the church, and if you haven't, we're very glad you're here today. The Christian life is a race, and as you have heard before, it is not a sprint, it is a marathon. One thing that might not help you in a long race is to go to Fuji Steakhouse right before you run. But if you do, and you probably shouldn't, maybe you shouldn't load up on the white sauce. Some restaurants call it yum-yum sauce. And normally, depending on the restaurant, it is quite good. The secret sauce. It turns what might be a decent meal, if you had no sauce, into, according to some people, a very, very good meal. Give me the extra sauce. I want to speak to you today about what might just be the secret sauce, listen to me, of the Christian life. What might just be the secret sauce of the Christian life, not just of the Christian life, living the Christian life, but also starting the Christian life, the beginning of the Christian life, not to mention finishing well. No, this thing that I will reveal soon in due time, my, my secret sauce, may not be the central or the most important element, but it is vital. More, much more vital than white sauce added to an already decent meal. I want us to think about this morning uh, the big picture. Let me make it as plain as I can. I want us to think in terms of three, two, one, okay? Three, two, one, not necessarily like this weekend in Goldsboro, three, two, one, blast off. But I want us to think about three, two, one, okay? I'll explain that in a second. I am 
I am going to have two headings, but the, but the big picture will just be that. Three, two, one. All right, three key texts in the book of Hebrews so that we get the big picture. Three key texts, two of which we'll really focus on. And in those two that we'll really focus on, we'll see one key thing. We'll try to keep this as plain as possible so that Jesus Christ may be praised. That's it. That's what we're going to try to do. Three, two, one, three key texts so that we'll get the lay of the land in the book of Hebrews so that we can continue. But now when we continue, we'll say maybe we'll remember and we'll say this is what it's about. Yeah, this is what it's about. Three of them. One of them we'll look at pretty quickly. Two of them will really land on more and we'll see one key thing in those two things, in those two texts. The first thing that I want us to see this morning is there in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And it is this, it is run the race. Run the race. Christian, if you are a Christian here this morning, run the race. You know that the Bible talks about uh, running the race often as a picture of the Christian life. Look again at these two verses in Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, my brother in Christ, my sister in Christ, run the race. Listen to other scriptures for just a moment. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Well, that's not Christian. Surely that's not Christian to run so that you will get the prize? That's self-interest. That's, you should, you, listen, you should do the right thing because it's the right thing. Is that what the Bible says? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. This is totally incidental. It's not Paul's main point, but of course, Paul would also encourage us implicitly to maintain good control over our bodies. We need to, we need to look after our physical bodies and not think that that means nothing. Okay? Here's another one on run the race. Run the race. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 
You don't have to go to these places. I just gave you 1 Corinthians 9. How about 2 Timothy chapter 4? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Which begs the question, dear friend, this this morning, do you love the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ? If you're a Christian, then you must. Then you do, and you must. If you're not a Christian this morning, that what that means is that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. And when he comes again, it's to judge the world and it's to safely receive his people. So it's bad news for unbelievers. But the good news of the gospel is, is that he came the first time, so to speak. He came the first time to die for sins and to die for sinners. So you need to understand that you are a sinner in need of God's grace through the cross of Jesus Christ. You need to repent of your sins Let me read it again. Not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 is one of those very important passages. We're going to leave it in a second and we'll come back to it and kind of land on it. That's one of our three, right? Three, two, one. It's one of our three key texts if we're trying to get our minds around the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It's like like Romans 12, 1 and 2. It's kind of like a a hinge in the book, a very important hinge, really important. This may be the most famous passage in the book of Hebrews, maybe the most well-known. You need to know Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. You need to know it. But like Romans 12, 1 and 2, part of which says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You know that passage. Very important hinge passage in Romans. Same thing with Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Very important, dear friends, run the race. Flip back with me to chapter 8. Chapter 8. Now Hebrews is actually not only a letter, but it's also a sermon. You get that by reading the very end of the book where he says, basically, thank you for bearing with me in this word of exhortation. Hebrews is a sermon. And like a good pastor, he gives his main points. Okay, so three, two, one. This is this is the second of the third, and this will be quick, okay? I just want you to see in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1, that the pastor, the author, gives us the main points. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. Let me just read to you straight out of the study Bible that I was looking at this week. Listen to this. The author in verse 1, The author reminds readers of the main point of the letter. Christians have a high priest who has brought full forgiveness of sins, and this is evident by his being seated at God's right hand. 
Christians have a high priest who has brought full forgiveness of sins, and this is evidenced by the fact that he is seated at the right hand of God. Now, can we be honest? Would you look at verse 1 of chapter 8? Can we be honest? Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 is a little bit more sugary than this verse, We maybe, if we're honest. Because we might say, looking at chapter 8, verse 1, we might say, okay, this is your main point. That's, you know, that's kind of dense. And, and Hebrews, in one sense, is dense. I had some good uh, dear brothers years ago, and they were a little bit further along on the road than I was. And they were, uh, they did, whether or not they were former pastors, they did church work, and they made such a great point. They said, you know, where would we be as Christians without the book of Hebrews? It's like James has said, you know, as he's preaching, uh, you know, a little bit through the First uh, John. He said before, where would we be without the writings of John? Like First John. And where would we be without Hebrews? But, but it's challenging. But we need to grow to maturity. Dear friends, we need to grow to maturity. And so what he says here, even if it says, you know, that's the main point. Well, well, keep in mind, he keeps going, right? He keeps going to the mountaintop of Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 might be like the pinnacle, the mountaintop. But what I want to say here is don't be thrown off by Hebrews because what he's doing is not only giving really practical instruction. You keep reading this book and it gets nitty gritty practical. Sexuality, all kinds of stuff. It gets nitty gritty practical. But you don't have the practical if you don't have Jesus Christ. His teaching about the person and the work of Jesus Christ is actually the most practical thing in the book. All this stuff, listen, all this stuff about Melchizedek and the high priest, and man, what he's all this Old Testament stuff. That is actually the most practical. Jesus Christ, who he is, his person, his work. This is the point of the letter. Is Jesus Christ is better. Jesus is supreme and He is better. Never, never let go of your hold on Jesus Christ. God will never let go of His hold on His people. Chapter 10. Chapter 10, before we land back on chapter 12. 3, 2, 1. So this would be the third text. And then this will also, and I hope to do this somewhat quickly, this will also get us into the, the, the one thing. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 32 in just a second. In just a second, verse 32. We've seen... We've seen in Hebrews 12, like the mountaintop, like this is the the key hinge for the whole book. We've seen the pastor tell us in Hebrews chapter 8, this is the main point of what I'm trying to say. We have a great high priest. And now we see, now we see the, the background, okay? The background to this book. This is cool. This is, this is great. We see we learn about the recipients of this letter. 
What's Hebrews? I've told you before, it's written to Jewish believers, right? Jewish believers. Hebrews 10, 32. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Hey guys, he says, he says, hey guys, I want to give you an encouragement. I want to encourage you and I want to give you an example for the encouragement. And the example is you. The example is you back in the past a little bit. I want to encourage you with a good example. And the good example with which I want to encourage you is you some years ago. Do you see that? Do you see that? Hebrews 10, 32. We get a, we get a window, we get a picture into the people to whom he's writing. Who are these people? They're Jewish believers in all likelihood. They've converted to Messiah Jesus. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, Hebrews 10.32, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. Look at this. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Did you see verse 34? Wow. And then the payoff in verse 35. Therefore, therefore, do not throw away your confidence Do the right thing because, by golly, it's the right thing. No. That's okay. That's okay. But do not throw away your confidence. Have a great reward. What does that mean? Do not throw away your confidence. Persevere in faith. Persevere in faith. Why? Because 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, not only for me, but also for all who have loved His appearing. The two appearings of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Titus chapter 2, the two appearings. He appeared once for sin to bring us our salvation. He appeared not to go halfway 50-50 like we think is what a marriage should be. We think a marriage, a good marriage is 50-50. A good marriage is 100-100, right? A good marriage is 100-100. He appeared the first time not to go 50-50 to make us savable. He didn't appear to make us savable. He appeared to save us. He appeared to die on the cross once and for all. It is finished. He is now, having been buried, He has been raised from the dead, ascended into heaven. He is at the right hand of God on high and He intercedes for His own. And He's coming again. The two twin appearings of the Lord Jesus Christ to all who have loved His appearing. Therefore, don't throw away your confidence. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? This is hard. I'm trying to actually follow the Lord Jesus Christ according to the Bible, and it's hard. Bingo! Bingo! It's hard. It's not meant to be easy. It's also not meant to be lacking in joy. Joy, listen to me, as has been said, not by me first, Joy for the Christian is not optional. Joy is not 
optional. In one sense, in one sense, joy is everything. It's the secret sauce. Listen to me, John Newton. John Newton visited a Christian family that had suffered the loss by fire of all that they possessed. He greeted the mother of the family with these words as he goes to see this family who lost everything by fire hundreds of years ago before you could call Hilt or others. He said to the woman at the doorstep, I give you joy, madam. Surprised, she said, what? Joy that all my property is consumed? Oh no, he answered. But joy that you have so much property that no fire can touch. Have you ever heard it said, that guy is so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good? No, we actually don't hear that today because we are so consumed by the world. But the truth of the matter is actually this. You will actually be no earthly good if you're not totally heavenly minded. Somebody says, that man's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. If you want to actually be earthly good, then be heavenly minded. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Colossians chapter 3. Set your minds on things above, not on the things that are on earth. It doesn't mean you abandon your family or your job. No, it means you actually work hard. It means you live an ordinary Christian life. You seek Jesus Christ. Newton said to her again, you have so much property that no fire can touch. This reminder checked her grief and wiping her tears, she smiled like the sun shining after an April shower. He said, ah. That sounds fake, man. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. Look at it. Hey, Jewish believers, I know that I'm saying some hard things to you. I'm doing that on purpose. I'm saying some very hard things, but I want to encourage you because I'm a pastor of the Lord Jesus Christ, and as a representative of Jesus Christ, I want to give His people encouragement. So I want to encourage you with you. <laughs> I want to encourage you with your own example. Recall the former days. Remember, I've already told you that the secret sauce, the one three two one, is joy. Recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed. Are you getting this? To reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. Verse 34 again, for you had compassion on those in prison and you, and look at it, and you accepted the plundering of your property. That's not what it says. It says you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Maybe, dear friends, maybe we are the proverbial fish in the bowl who's swimming in the water so much that we don't even have a category to say the first thing, which is slightly wrong. That man's so heavenly minded that he's no earthly good. We don't even talk that way at all anymore. I'm not saying we need to be Puritans. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying, look at this. This is, dear friends, this is normal Christianity because Jesus Christ is so worthy 
He is supreme. He's better. And the Hebrews is not saying work harder, do more. It's saying stay with Jesus. Go for the reward. Go for the prize. The prize is God Himself. The prize is Jesus Christ. What's going on in this passage? What is this all about? Here's what it's all about, I think. Okay? Hebrews 10, 32 through 34. Hebrews 10, 32 through 34. Years ago, they had become Christians. What do you think it was like for Jewish believers in the midst of their Jewish family, in the midst of their Jewish synagogue, in the midst of their somewhat Jewish culture, even in a Greco-Roman world, what do you think it was like for these Jewish believers to convert to Jesus Christ and to be baptized? What do you think that was like? It was not good for so many of them. It was not good. It was good for them, but it was not good from those who persecuted them. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, back then, I want you to remember, some of you were persecuted. You went through a hard trial of suffering. And sometimes, even when you were not persecuted... You, I, listen, you identified with those who were. Oh, he's going to go on in chapter 13, verse 3. Later on in chapter 13 to verse 3. Don't forget about the people in prison. Visit believers in prison. I told you this book is nitty-gritty practical. It is nitty-gritty practical, starting with Jesus Christ, the high priest, after the order of Melchizedek. So what he's saying here is, you had a decision to make, and you made a decision that's encouraging. You said... Should we go to prison and visit our fellow believers who are being persecuted in prison since we're free right now? Or should we play it safe and not identify with them and therefore not have our houses and property messed with? Here's what we'll do. We love the Lord Jesus Christ. He is everything to me. He is everything to me. I will absolutely go to prison and visit my fellow believers and they come home and they get back home and it's pretty obvious. We might think of the graffiti or something like that. It's pretty obvious as to what happened. You see the, your house in ruins and you know it's the people who, who hate Christians who did this. And they, please don't miss this, they joyfully accepted the plundering of their property. They joyfully accepted the plundering of their property. You had compassion, verse 34, on those in prison. Where is your hope this morning? You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since, since you since you knew, no, no, since you knew. Since you knew. In my bones, man. I know it in my bones. This happens. And by the grace of God and only by the grace of God, I say, I say, I'm glad my property is ruined. No, no. No. But I do say, God, thank you. Thank you that you have given me an eternal and abiding home, a permanent home. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. A modern day classic book, a modern day classic is Desiring God. Listen, Desiring God. What about Hebrews 10? Were these people losers? Not like we talk about today. You're a loser. That's not. Were these people losers? No. 
They lost property and gained joy. They joyfully accepted the loss. In one sense, in one sense, they denied themselves, but in another, they did not. They chose the way of joy. Evidently, these Christians were motivated for prison ministry the same way the Macedonians of 2 Corinthians were motivated to relieve the poor. Their joy in God overflowed in love for others. I wish we could do three sermons from those three verses, Hebrews 10, 32 through 34. We'll be able to hit them again, Lord willing. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, 3, 2, 1. 3, 2, 1. What is the three? The mountaintop text, which we're back at now. The whole point of the sermon, which is chapter 8, verse 1. Great, tremendous insight into the recipients of this letter, which is chapter 10, verses 32 through 34. What's the two? Hebrews 10 and Hebrews 12. What's the one? Joy. Joy is not optional. I have not been a pastor for super long. I've been a pastor long enough to know that something like that may come across as hollow. Or hollow, I'm sorry. Shallow, hollow, whatever. Joy is not optional. Joy is of the very essence of the Christian life. I understand that there are trials in this room that I will not be fully aware of at all. Please look at me and listen. I get it. I get it. John, you're saying that joy in one sense for the Christian is everything? Yes, I am. Joy is not optional. Look to the reward. Look to the reward. John, you do not know the trials in my life. Number one, you're right. If I can help you and know more, let me know. Number two, you and I do not know the trials that Jesus went through. James, the book of James says, don't turn there, but it's, it's just two pages later. It's just two pages later. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. That's the very next book. That's two pages later. How about the book before Hebrews? Philemon. Philemon. Joy. How about Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17? Hey, obey your leaders in the church. Don't chafe against them because then they would lead in such a way that would be tough for them to lead and it would not be joyful for them and therefore it wouldn't be good for you. Joy, joy. Rejoice, rejoice. Pastor Ray just had us sing. Rejoice. John 15, 11. Jesus says that my joy would be in you. Therefore, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 12.1, let us also lay aside every weight. You might remember I said in addition to the 3-2-1, there's two things, and I'll close with this second thing. Stay with me. Listen to me. Number one is run the race. I'm not trying to be funny, but you, Hebrews 12.1 and 2 says run the race naked. Why do I say that? Because it says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. You've got to be intentional. Grace-based intentionality. You've got to be dis If you're going to run a marathon and the Christian life is a marathon, you call yourself a Christian, you've 
got to discipline. You've got to train. You've got to slough off everything that will hinder you in the race. Not to mention that, by the way, these, that's what these ancient Greek, Greek Olympians would do. The clothes would get in the way. They ran naked. Run the race. Run to receive the reward. Run to receive the... Do the right thing because it's the right thing. Yeah, okay. But the whole Bible, and Jesus especially, says, let me hold out to you the reward. Matthew 6, go and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Joy, in one sense, is everything. Joy is the very essence of Christian conversion, not to mention the Christian life. Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God may be compared to a man who found treasure hidden in a field, and he went and sold all that he had so that he could buy the treasure that he found hidden in the field, but I left something out. The kingdom of God may be compared to a man who found treasure hidden in a field, and in his joy he went and sold all that he had and bought the field. Following Jesus will cost you everything in one sense. It will. But Christians say, who cares? I want Jesus Christ, the Savior for sinners. Listen to me. I told you a minute ago, marriage is not 50-50. It's 100-100. True love, by definition, is sacrificial. By definition, true love is sacrificial. It may very well involve suffering, and it is costly. The cross, the cross. Verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Who endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. That's not what it says. Sacrificial, costly love, bearing the wrath of God in the place of all of His people. Bearing the wrath of God for everyone who will repent and believe even this morning, not even, absolutely this morning. Why did He do it? Why did Jesus go through Gethsemane? Why did He go to the cross? Answer, for the joy that was set before Him. For the joy that was set before That's why. That's why. Missionary Amy Carmichael was well acquainted with sorrow. She was badly injured in a fall in 1931, which left her bedridden. And for the last 20 years of her life until her death, she was confined to her room in constant pain. Yet to another friend who was sad, she wrote, Don't let your mind dwell on sadness as it saps the soul of strength. There is more blue sky overhead than clouds. The clouds will pass. I often think how sad we shall be at the end if we have failed in joy. I don't want to fail. Jesus is our example. He went to the cross. He endured the cross. I don't, I don't know your trials. I do know that none of us knows the trials of Jesus. Nobody. Why did he do it? Why did our example? He is our example and our Savior. He is our example and our Savior. He did it for the joy 
that was set before him. Run to receive the reward. And don't ever feel bad about doing that because the reward is God himself. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would transform our minds as Romans chapter 12 says, that through the renewal of our minds, we would be transformed, that we would offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you because of and in view of your mercies. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.